All right. Good morning. Welcome to First General Baptist, Truman, Arkansas. Uh, real quick, wanted to remind everybody that this month is Pastor Appreciation Month, month of October. Uh, we are having our uh, luncheon for our pastors next Sunday, right after church. Uh, potluck, bring something really good because we haven't had something in a long time. So, uh, also, as the one of the Gideons here in church, we uh, this month, if I can get these turned around where you can see them, uh, the Gideons have put out a pastor appreciation card. Since Brother Darrell makes so much money, he doesn't really want donations or anything like that. Uh, and so, anyhow, these cards are in the foyer on the table back here. We'll have them there for the rest of the month. But if you'll take one of these cards, it's kind of like any other Gideon card. Um, there's some, an envelope on the inside that you uh, fill it out, make your donation, send your check to Nashville, and then uh, take the card itself. And you can uh, tell how many Bibles you donated and who did it. And then you can write a little, nice little message on the inside of the card. But anyway, these will be on the foyer. And uh, hopefully, uh, they'll, we'll get you a few of them. So, all right. degree son of God hanging on a hill hell was my destiny the crowd was shouting crucify could have come from these lips of mine the dirty shame was killing me it would take a miracle to wash me clean. Then I read red letters, and the crowd began to shake. The prison walls started falling, and I Felt like lightning hit my veins My dead heart began to beat Breath of God filled my lungs And the Holy Ghost awakened me Yeah, the Holy Ghost awakened me ground again to shake. The prison walls started falling, and I became a free man that day.
Redeem 
If you have your Bible, let's go to Hebrews chapter 7, starting a new chapter, very one of the, actually to me, one of the more difficult chapters in the whole Bible to preach through, and that makes it to me almost that much more important. Hebrews chapter 7, this morning we'll just try to deal with 1 through 10. There's an outline of this message on the backside of your announcements if you like to use that, and I want to draw attention to it right now. If, if you have a hard copy in your hand and you're looking at it, that top part on, of the, of the uh, outline, the part says, can you see Jesus? I'm not going to deal with that this morning. It's, it's just too much. And I want to so deal this morning with the second and the third, the giving to Jesus and the receiving from 
Jesus. We're just going to uh, try to do our best as we go through chapter 7 to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us, through us, in us every week. And so it may be one verse, it may be a few. This, this morning will be 1 through 10 and we'll probably deal with it again next week also. I probably will come back and catch that section, Can You See Jesus? A little bit of outline, a little bit of background before we look at the scripture and the outline. Uh, we're going to, we're introduced not the first time, but more in-depth into this character in Hebrews chapter 7, the character of Melchizedek. And he's only given three verses in the Bible, actually four, three verses in Genesis chapter 14, where a Abraham has, has uh, gone and rescued his nephew Lot. When he comes back from the rescue, he's got Lot and all the people that he's have, he is returning and all the stuff that he's returning with. And so there in, there in Genesis chapter 14 where you have the story, he comes to a priest called Melchizedek. And th that's the only time. There's also a reference to Melchizedek in Psalm 110 verse 4. That's what we call a uh, messianic psalm talking about Jesus. And Melchizedek is, is mentioned in that, in that psalm. Uh, so there's that, a little bit of background there. Another thing that I want to talk about that's going to come up again and again in chapter 7 is the priesthood. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, I'm not going to try to bore you to death, but just a reminder that uh, Abraham meets Melchizedek. Oh, 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 all right, it won't be, it'll be many years after that. Abraham will have a grandson named Jacob. Jacob will have 12 sons. And th from those 12 sons are the 12 tribes of, of Israel. That's where, I guess I could say it this way. I've never really put it this way. I don't know that it's literally true. Jacob is the first Jew. Okay? From, from that point on, Judaism, true Judaism, starts. So Jacob has 12 sons. One of those sons is Levi. Moses and Aaron, who you know, come from Levi. So it is through Levi that the priesthood begins. There were no priests before him. Uh, before Aaron, there technically were no priests. But here in Genesis chapter 14, this is the point Melchizedek is called a priest. This will come up again and again. So the priesthood comes from the line of Aaron. You must be a descendant of Aaron to be a priest. Jesus is a descendant of one of the other sons of Jacob called named Judah. Jesus is not a descendant of Levi. He's a descendant of Judah. But he's called our great high priest. So in Genesis chapter 14, years before the priesthood, we begin with Abraham's great-grandson and on down the line. We have a man called Melchizedek who's called a priest. Not going to get into that so much this week, but I just want you to know that. I want you to be thinking about that. This very mysterious, pretty unknown character called Melchizedek. So let's read the text, chapter 7. 
Hebrews 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, let me stop right there, king of Salem, what's that? King of Jerusalem. So before Jerusalem was named Jerusalem, he was the king of, king of Salem, king of that town. Priest of the Most High God. The first time in the Bible the word priest is used and won't be used again until Aaron comes on the scene. So he's a priest of the Most High God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. That's what I talked about when Aaron returned from the rescue of Lot and the kings that were killed in that fight. In whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning, meaning king of peace. Talking about Melchizedek, without father, without, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God. Next week, the Lord wills. We'll concentrate on that phrase right there. Being made like the Son of God, he remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are the sons of, sons of Levi, as we talked about, those who are the sons of, of Levi who receive the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had who had the promises. So Melchizedek received the tithes from Abraham and blessed Abraham next. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak. For he was still in the loins of his father, when Melchizedek met him. There's a real, some really good points that the Hebrew pastor in those early church days was trying to make to that church. Now they understood Melchizedek a lot better than we do. The point is not so much who was he and, and, and all that. That's, I, don't, I don't want to concentrate that. I want to bring it down to where, to where we are. Uh, the, the pastor in those days as he preached this and wrote this was making a point about Melchizedek being the greater than Abraham, but Abraham paid tithes to him, and Melchizedek in turn blessed Abraham. If you're looking at your outline, so I want to go directly to the point. We've got a lot of things to do at the end of the service, some very important things, and I want the service to direct toward our prayer time. So I'm going to give... In my heart, I want to give more attention to our prayer time than the preaching time. I want the preaching time to lead to the prayer time. There are weeks where I feel like it's more important that you hear the, hear the message that I preach. And some weeks I feel like it's more important that we 
pray. So I just want you to know ahead of time, right now, that everything I say is going to be, uh, I intend it, to lead it toward our prayer time. Okay? If you're looking halfway down on your outline, giving to Jesus. And that's what we see in the, in the text. Abraham is, is not a spirit. We're going to talk about giving and then bank, being able to receive. Giving to Jesus. If, uh, if you will not give according to how you've been blessed, then may you be blessed according to how you give. And obviously the first part is financial. That's exactly what a Abraham did. Uh, gave to the greater a tenth. That's, that's a tithe. That's exactly what tenth means. I want you to learn to give. Okay? I'm not going to try to hide it. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to try to water it down. I want you to learn to give. I want everybody to learn to give. I want anybody that I would ever pastor learn to give. I want you to see the importance of giving. Giving is like a cycle. God at the top, us down here at the bottom. God gives to us, hands it off to us, we give it back to him. God gives to us, hands it off to us, we give it back to him, hand it back to him. He gives us and so on and so forth. Where is the cycle broken? Do you ever think it's going to be broken at the top? Never. If the cycle is going to be broken, if the cycle of learning to give and receive, if it's going to be broken, it's going to be given where God hands off to us, to me. I don't want it to be broken with me. I want to learn to give, learning to, to give to God. All God is asking is for 10% back of what he has given you. If you'll not give, if you won't do it, if you won't give according to how you've been blessed, then may you be blessed according to how you give. So, so in other words, if you're not going to give according to how God's blessed you, do you want God to bless you according to how you give? If you're going to give God just a little bit, is that how you want God to bless you? I want you, I want you to learn to give. The second screen, if you're looking at your outline in, in your lap, will say the same thing. All any of us have to give is from God, what God has already given us. Now, here's, here's, what, here's what people who don't give think. Do you think God's going to run out? See, here's what people who don't give think, that if I give it, I won't get it back. That if I give it, it won't come back. If I give it, I won't have enough. Do you really believe that? By not giving, that's what you're saying. I don't have enough to give. And that God can't give me more. The cycle is this, God gives to us, we give back. When does the giving from God stop? When the giving from us stops. When does the giving from God start? When the giving from us starts. It always starts with him. If there's ever an interruption cycle in the circle, it's always going to be with me. And I don't, want to, I don't want to be that guy. So I want to give according to how God's blessed me, not wait and, and expect God to bless according to how I give. If I'm going to give in a stingy way, then I might be thinking that uh, God's going to bless me in a stingy way. I don't want that. Do you really think that God's going to run out? Really? No, he's not. Well, I don't see where it's going to come from. That's not your job. That's God's job. I don't know how he's going to do it. That's not your job. 
That's God's job. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know how it's going to. No, that's not your job. What's my job? Give. That's my job. Give. Okay? Give. So Abraham gave to Melchizedek, the priest, 10% what he was owed him. Now, that's the financial, and it, that's exactly what that scripture is. It's, the, it's what Abraham gave of his stuff. That's the giving of things. Now, I want to move on something that's harder now, some of you say, well, <laughs> it's pretty hard to get me to give, you know, give 10% or, or, or give of my things or my bank account or what, whatever. Let's move on. That's the giving of things. Let's move on to the giving of self. The giving of self. Giving of myself. It's a little different. Now, you know, I'm not trying to con completely separate things from self if I give of my things I am in a, in a way giving of myself especially if I give sacrificially yes but I, I want to leave that I want to go on from that there's a giving of things and there's a giving of self giving where you boy I don't know how to say it giving of myself when our prayer time comes because I want everything to lead to that I want to give you something to think about. When our prayer time comes, I want you to think about giving of yourself. What I want you to do now, because we've got a little time and you'll have time to think this through and think about it, is there anybody in the room that you could pray for? You, you kind of know who's here. And there's a lot of people who aren't here that we could pray for. We certainly can. Certainly need to. Certainly will. We often, at the end End of the end of every service, most of the time, we'll call for people to come up who stand in for people that we're going to pray for. Most of the time, those people are not here. We're praying for people who aren't here. That's great. We're going to continue to do that. Can you think of somebody who's here this morning that you could pray for? Now, I'm going to ask you to do think about doing something. I don't know that you're going to do it, but I'm going to challenge you with this. I'm going to be a little, I can get a little rough sometimes that I don't mean to. Can you get out of your seat and go pray for somebody? Can you leave your seat and go pray for them? Now, you've got, you would have, if you said, well, no, I can pray for them in my seat, you certainly can. You certainly can. But can you do more? Can you do more than that? Can you go, when, when our prayer time comes, and I'm making some of you uncomfortable right now. You know who's making you uncomfortable right now is not me. But the Holy Spirit in you is making you uncomfortable right now. Because you know you can do it. And you know you should do it. But maybe there's somebody in our congregation, somebody in person who's here, that the Holy Spirit would lay on your heart right now that you need to pray for them. They need prayer. And during our prayer time, here's what I'm going to challenge you with. If the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, convicting you, m moving in you, that there's somebody in our church in person right now who, who needs prayer and he's laid it on your heart during our prayer time, is go to them and ask them, can I pray for you? Now, some of you, that's really stepping out of your comfort zone. I don't know if you're going to do it. But the Holy Spirit's dealing with you right now about doing it. What is that? That's giving of yourself. That's giving 
of yourself. Going to somebody and asking them, can I pray for you? Can, I, can we go to the altar and pray? Or if they'd rather just pray right in their seat. What, you know, that's not the issue. But it's you stepping out of your seat, leaving your seat, leaving your comfort zone. Because what happens in church, our seat is our comfort zone. I'll stay right here. I know uh, some of you don't know that I know this. You hide behind the columns so I won't see you. <laughs> the only ones who know that are those who are sitting behind the columns, okay? You think, do I have stupid written across my head? I know what, hey, I know what it's like to sit in church. I've been, doing it my, I've been doing it my whole life. I know what it's like to sit in church. We've got some cards back there that we made out, kind of Im- invitation cards. And I saw an invitation that another church used, and, but I, we, we reworded it on purpose. There was another church who used, used an invitation and said, we saved a seat for you. I like the thought, but I don't technically like the thought. Because the thought is that you come to church and sit. So we changed it and, and, we, and we said on, on, on our invitation card, we saved a place for you. you. You have a place here. It's a whole lot more than the seat. At the end of the service, if you've never been in person here, you really have never seen this. But at the end of the service, when we ask people to come up and pray for someone else, I ask you to come up front. I, I, don't, I don't want you to tell me the name of the person you're praying for from your seat. Why do we do that? There's actually a method behind, behind the madness, okay? I want you to get out of your seat. That's all there is to it. I want you to get out of your seat, to move. Because church, the fellowship, the family, is not about staying in the comfort of our seat. I'm sorry if you don't like that, but that's not what church is about. The Bible never talks about the church being about the comfortable place that we can find. How do you, how do you get out of that? You get out of your comfort zone. How, how do you, you begin giving of yourself? Some of you just hate this. You just hate this because you love the comfort of church. Well, of course you do. But it's also about growing in Christ. It's also about becoming someone that I'm not. It's about leaving this house different than what I came in as, than who I came in as. So it's, it's some days I've got to challenge you to get out of your comfort zone, to move a little bit, to get out of your seat. Let's go back to where we started. Is there somebody in the house that the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about praying for? Is there somebody in the house that the Holy Spirit is dealing with you when the prayer time comes, leaving the comfort of your seat and going to them and asking? But here, you know, we're afraid, well, it may not end well. I'm going to promise you this. I think I know us well enough to know this. I don't think there's anybody in this house this morning that if you came to them and asked them can I pray for you they're going to say no <laughs> no it, 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 that person's just not here can you imagine how good it would feel if you were the one that somebody came to you and said can I pray for you can you imagine how good that that would feel giving of yourself we talked about the tithe that's one thing. 
This is another. Everybody in the room said, you know, tithing is easier than that. <laughs> it sure is. It sure is. It sure is. Giving in my things is one thing. I guarantee you, giving of myself, that's different. That's different. That is growth. Things is one thing. Self is another. And that's growth. And <clears throat> I'm challenging you to grow. And I'm challenging you to get out of your seat, okay, and do something that's a little tough. But it's, you're doing it because you love. The second one is uh, receiving. As some of you say, man, I'm glad he's mo moving on. No, the second one for me is harder. Can you receive? Humble enough to recognize your need. Humble enough to let someone pray for you. This one's tougher for me. I, I probably not, it, you know, it can't be true of everybody in, in the room, but it's definitely true, true for me. This one's harder to do. I really don't have that much of a hard time to go and someone and ask them if I can pray for them. I have a hard time asking you to pray for me. What, it, what is my problem? It starts with a P. It's called pride. Both issues center around pride. This one's pride. Humble enough to recognize your need. Humble enough to let someone pray for you. I don't know if you've ever been to a foot washing service. In Arkansas, it would be foot washing service. Don't know if you've ever been to a foot washing service. If you have, you wash someone's feet, you let somebody else wash your feet. Which one is harder? Hands down. I've been to several foot washing services. To sit there in the chair, it would always be a man, and let that man wash my feet. It's really hard. You say, well, washing somebody else's feet can't be that great. <laughs> But to sit there and look at the top of his head as he washes my feet, I can't hardly stand it. Why? Pride. Pride. And I still struggle with it. But asking somebody, asking somebody else. Now, it's one thing. If somebody comes to you this morning and says, can I pray for you? It's one thing to say, yes, sure. I'd love to. Yes. It's another thing to say yes when somebody asks you to pray. It's another thing to ask them to pray for you. That means that you have to recognize your need. I need. And I recognize it enough that I need to ask somebody else to pray for me. And that means that somehow, somewhere along the line, I've got to get out of my seat. I recognize my need enough to ask somebody else. Can you do that? Can you think about that right now and let the Holy Spirit deal with you right now about that? It's not the opposite, but it's the other side of the coin of praying, of receiving, giving, receiving, giving, receiving. Which should we do? Both. Both. Where we make a lifestyle of giving 
asking people if we can pray for them, seeking those pe people out, and then it's a lifestyle of, you know what, now I need it. Now I'm in that spot where I need someone else to pray for me, and I'm not going to be too proud to ask. What we're going to do during our prayer time, I'm going to stand here like I usually do, most of the time in our prayer time, and it will be that way this morning, nothing's going to change there, but most of the time in our prayer time we have altars here and people can come and kneel and pray. We have seats here and people can come and sit and pray. Most of the time it's just my personality, it's just, I don't know, what I've learned along the way. If you come to an altar and pray or if you're at a seat and, and pray, I hardly ever ask you what it is that I can pray for you about. You're always welcome to ask me or to talk to me. You're always welcome to do that. But I don't know, it's just my per personality. I just kind of let people pray. I'll usually lay my hand on them and pray for them, but I, I don't necessarily always ask that person what it is that I can help them pray about. I just lay my hand on them and pray. I kind of like letting people have their time and their privacy. This morning, though, now you're welcome to do that. Of course you are. You're welcome to do, do that. But this morning, I'm going to stand here. If you need to talk to me, if you need to ask me to pray for you, then I want you to do that. Now, you know you can always do that. This morning, I'm drawing a special emphasis to that. Now, you're not going to do that unless you need to. Let me ask you very simply, very straightforward. Do you need, this morning, somebody to pray for you? Do you have a need in your life? You need somebody to pray for you. That I want you to ask. Now, some of you, man, that's, it is tough. It sure is. It's growth. All of us have been in that spot, though. What happens, though, is so many of us don't do anything about it. This morning, I'm asking you to do, do something about it. If you need somebody to pray for you, I'm going to stand here. I want you to come and ask. If you would rather, if you need somebody else in the room to come and pray for you. This is the other side of the corner of what we dealt with. I can't imagine anybody in this room, if you came and asked them to pray for you, that they'd say no. It's, it's just not here. Of course they're going to pray for you. If you need to go step out, ask somebody else to pray for you, I want you to do that. If you need to ask me to pray for you, I want you to do that, okay? It's a big, uh, it's a big thing. I'm challenging you with some stuff that, that uh, you weren't expecting. I want you to learn to expect it, okay? This, this is where we are, praying for each other learning to ask for prayer from each other, okay? I'm going to ask you to stand and guitarist. We're just going to have the guitar play. I, I wanted it to be a little quieter than usual. If you need to go to somebody and pray for them, that's what this time is. If you need to come to an altar and pray, so I just need to spend some time alone with Jesus you need to come to an altar and pray or a seat and pray, we want you to come. If you need to, to ask somebody 
to pray for you. If you need to ask me to pray for you, we invite you to come. You just do as the Holy Spirit leads you as the musician plays.